The Canadian Improv Games is turning 40. For 40 years, it has impacted high school students' lives and continues to shape intelligent, unique, and passionate youth. But what happens when you graduate? How does the CIG impact the lives of alumni, of volunteers? This podcast is part of the Canadian Improv Games Roundup Tour and is designed to dive into the lives of alumni who have stayed in contact with the Canadian Improv Games. In a studio space at Second City in downtown Toronto, just above Wayne Gretzky's restaurant, Michelle and I met up with outgoing regional director Justin Collette and incoming regional director Daniel Gordetsky. In between Second City March Break camp classes, this is what we recorded. Well, welcome everybody to the Alumni Roundup Tour Podcast Toronto Edition. Yay! As usual, it's your boy Spencer. And your main girl Mish. <laughs> Today we have with us uh, Daniel uh, from Vancouver. I've been with Canadian Improv Games uh, for 10 years now uh, since I started as a player and I'm the uh, incoming artistic director of the Toronto Regional Tournament. I'm Justin. 15 years. Regional director, Toronto. Ex-regional director, New Brunswick. Current artistic director, Improv University. Um, <laughs> cool. We can start, I guess, with the question we always start with, which is to say, what made you want to get into improv in the first place? What was, mm-hmm. like, something that you saw, or was it something that you saw that you were like, that's exactly for me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, well uh, personally, I've been involved in, in theater for a really long time. So when I was about five years old, uh, my father signed myself and my brother up for a Russian theater studio uh, to preserve our Russian language. And a byproduct of that is we've been obsessed with theater ever since. Um, and so uh, my parents had actually been into a Russian form of sketch slash improv type deal back in the USSR where they grew up. It's actually where they went on their first date. Uh, and in Vancouver, um, it was more sketch than improv, but kind of related. Um, and in Vancouver, uh, from a young age, we occasionally would go to Vancouver Theater Sports League. Um, and as a young kid, I really liked that. My older brother got involved in improv in the CIG when he was in high school, and so I had that to look forward to, and as soon as I got into high school, I uh, got in the mix. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's a way better story (laughs) than mine. The cool kids in my high school did it, and I liked Whose Line Is It Anyway. So you did. Yeah, yeah. My parents didn't meet in a no longer existent union. Yeah, uh, uh, I liked Whose Line in high school. Uh, There was an improv group at my school. All all the cool kids were doing it. I wanted to do it. (laughs) Wow. You both tried it. You made it the first time? Yes. Yes. No. No, no, I tried out when I was in the ninth grade. I, I, I tried out when I was in the ninth grade and uh, I, I didn't make it. And I remember, oh, my teacher's gonna be so, she won't listen to this. Uh, but uh, I remember I did a scene with a girl and it was a, it was a nightmare. And then we all sat down after my teacher said to the group of us, she goes, my heart goes out to people who try to be funny and aren't. I just feel so bad for them. And I thought she was talking about me. I found out years later it was about the other girl who I was having a tough time with, but I was so new. I thought it was my fault. Um, and so I said, I'd never go back. I actually, I, I wasn't going to go back and do it. Until I saw all the cool kids doing it. Right. Then I was like, well, yeah, I'll give this a second. I'll give this a second and go. Uh, but yeah, I almost didn't go back because of an just offhanded remark that somebody made that <laughs> stuck Dude, with me for a year. Yeah. <laughs> a pretty harsh comment. No, I mean, 
it's true. I think she was trying to be empathetic and trying to get us to stop trying to be idiots. But right. yeah. Uh, so no, I did not make it my first time. I didn't. Yeah, that's a, a lot of people, because I know for in Ontario, we don't have middle school. You go like, you know, kindergarten to grade eight, and then you go right to high school. And in grade eight, there's always like an improv unit, and you don't know what you're doing. And really? you think that you're like the funniest person, because you can like do a voice. Right. And you probably, probably are. like louder than, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then there's a lot of, I know that my coach talks about like, there's a lot of kids that come into grade nine thinking that they're like the funniest kids in the world because they were yeah in their grade eight class and then they all they do is like do a donald duck voice for yeah yeah which really cuts the tension in like a grade eight sex ed class just like a cool donald duck like observation on on what the teacher is saying but uh what um what made us stay what made you stay then after that after that first year I went to nationals my first year. Did you? Uh, no. I Did was, you? I was actually, <laughs> I was part of the Vancouver regional tournament, so there wasn't right. really anything to move on. Sure, it's because you weren't able to move oh, on no, to I nationals did, that you I didn't, didn't make, make it. nationals no, yeah. until my grade 10. There was no yeah. pipeline I for tried, your career. I That's tried and yeah. failed twice in grade 10 and grade 11 to make nationals on the senior team. However, there we go. my first year in juniors, uh, couldn't move on to anything. Uh, but what made me stay was... Uh, well, I was already sort of obsessed with it before I had even started. I would, um, and so uh, getting into it, I really enjoyed it. And going, I went to improv camp that first year as well. And all of that uh, was just a really positive experience. And then coming in, uh, so I started in grade 8. That's when high schools in uh, Burnaby, BC start to function. And then coming into grade 9, a lot of my closer friends started to be people that were also involved with the improv team. Just sort of that community and that, that feeling of belonging was mm. something that... Help me stick around. Um, Justin, you went to national, so I'm sure that was like a fire in your belly. It was unbelievable. Yeah, I remember seeing uh, the teams that were playing there, and I still remember uh, uh, Cardinal Carter uh, that year improvised a musical, and it was the first, I mean, compared to what we were doing, um, we were six people on our team. We were five guys and a girl, and then the girl wasn't able to go with us, so we were just these five idiot dudes that ended up going to nationals that were there on uh, uh, pure idiocy. Um, and and to see uh, something crafted so well was incredible. Uh, I still remember they did like a beach musical. It blew my mind. Um, and then just meeting everybody um, was so cool. Like that experience for sure was... Uh, formative and me wanting to keep doing it um, and uh, then the next year my coach uh, who was our teacher wasn't able to do it anymore because she was also uh, directing a musical and so I started coaching uh, the next year so then I was kind of stuck because <laughs> right. I had to like promote the thing that was she was like well there's gonna be no more team and I was like well, there'll, there'll, there'll be a team yeah I also sort of got stuck in a similar situation where in grade 11 uh our coach, who was an alumni of Burnaby Mountain Improv, had uh, come into some personal stuff and wasn't able to come to practices anymore. Uh, and at that point, our senior team uh, became, which was made up of grade 10s to 11s, we uh, started to coach ourselves with having some people come in and do a workshop for us occasionally. And the junior team, uh, uh, me and my uh, friend Jordan, decided that we would take over. And so I started coaching then, and I did that for a few more years while I was still in Vancouver. And that, yeah, really helped cement in me the love of being involved in the games and working with teenage improvisers and just being part of that whole uh, energy. 
And that's something that we've talked about quite a bit just in the car, but that we haven't maybe talked about yet on a podcast is like, for me, because I come from a region which is really based in uh, teacher coaches and co- coaches that are like teachers that have been around for like 10, 15 years. And that's what really drives the region is like, you know, 10 or 15 passionate teacher coaches. But in a lot of places, it's just student coaches. Like there's maybe yeah. one teacher. What is the balance there between student and like there's pros and cons, obviously, to both. I remember it being really difficult uh, because there were people on the team that were older than me and my age and then younger. Uh, and it's really hard to coach and direct people your own age. And then that kind of like went on for me for like years of like always being like a coach around people who are my own age. So um, uh, I think I did a pretty good job at it. But if you do a good job at it, you get isolated from those people, right? right. Because then you're like a coach to them as when well, you're not really like a friend. And if you do a bad job at it, you're a bad friend and a crappy <laughs> coach. Yeah. So you're like me. there's yeah. like you stand yeah. a lot to lose in either way. Yeah. So I think like uh, a student coach who has no personal attachment to whatever school that they're in would be would be great because they're uh, uh, fresh and young and excited and have a great uh, uh, viewpoint on it. Uh, Teachers are great because they're stable human beings. Uh, (laughs) And um, improv is a scary thing. And I think it's really nice to have uh, the voice of somebody that you trust in the room encouraging you. And um, when you're doing something that's that's, that's very scary. or it can go the other way that like the teacher is like uh, is uh, if they're an older person that the students don't trust then it's just uh, you know it's an old person's an old cranky person they don't trust their opinion <laughs> on what comedy is so then they hate the teacher and they hate it. it's, it's 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 either way it's, it's such a personal thing that it it it'll define whoever the coach is ends up having a strong personal relationship with their team yeah. and i think that uh, no matter what age you are it's going to uh, it, it's you're going to be greatly affected by it one way or the other. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I found in my region where I came from in Vancouver, uh, most of the coaches were alumni of the school or uh, just recent uh, high school graduates or young improvisers in the community. And obviously there were still teachers that uh, coached and that was especially prevalent with uh, schools that didn't have as much of an improv history. So there weren't as many alumni to rely on. Uh, but for me, the, the experience of having an alumni coach and being an alumni coach uh, and having that connection with the kids, uh, the young improvisers, is, is really enjoyable. And I mean, I became very close with my drama teacher in high school. I was a theater kid. I did a lot of productions. We were very close. But the silliness uh, and the fun that I had in improv practices is probably something I wouldn't have necessarily been as comfortable having with my drama teacher right there and and having somebody who's 20 something and and can play with you and as you know you're you're an uptight teenager you're very self-conscious that ability to let go is very important and so having that that young presence that that made it fun was was very important for me that's so interesting because i don't think that like i loved my first improv coach i loved having her name is ruth arsenault she's an amazing teacher and she was just the straight man to us like i i loved that it was so nice it made us like she she let us be 
super goofy. Um, but having like a you know a straight a straight man in the room to all the antics that were going on was was fun. Like I liked. I like that there was somebody there that I wasn't supposed to be dumb in front of. That made me feel like I could push some rules in a fun way, which, yeah. which was, you know, different. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I think there's a big difference too when like a when like an adult yells at you about something, you're like, oh, crap, like we should listen. For you guys, when you because you're both student coaches, yeah. did you have a favorite like moment or memory coaching that you're just like, oh, that was the best? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Daniel. <laughs> what changed your life? Uh, my last year, uh, either my last year or my second last year in Vancouver, I was uh, coaching at Burnaby Mountain. Uh, and the way the uh, senior tournament and junior tournament are set up there, um, you have basically two separate teams. Uh, anybody grade 10 or younger can participate in the junior tournament. Uh, and so I was coaching the senior team and we had uh, three very strong grade 10s, uh, three girls who were all uh, best friends as well. And it was uh, revealed to us that uh, the Vancouver tournament was doing something new where uh, you could enter multiple junior teams from the same school. And so I had these three grade 10s who performed very well together and I had this opportunity to give them more stage time and said, do you three want to be a team for the junior tournament? And they were up for it and they became uh, very committed to practicing together and had a lot of fun doing it and ended up winning the tournament as a three-person team, uh, which was just super fun to see them just, you know, doing something like a theme event as a three-person team. There has to be so much commitment and so much jumping on beats with uh, such a limited cast for such young improvisers. And, and seeing them do that, and so you just become the crowd favorites easily. <laughs> like, when they went up, everybody, everybody was super happy. Everybody was cheering for them. <coughs> yeah, just seeing them shine in that way was a lot of fun. I, I didn't know how to take inspiration from doing what I was doing. I was kind of just doing what I was doing. It seemed like just a thing I had to do. Uh, and I was just blindly excited or driven going through it. And like, I loved when we won. Uh, that felt good. That was validating because um, the first year I coached, uh, we didn't. We finished like fourth, and our, our our school had always had a very good team, and that was kind of a not very good. Uh, I thought that wasn't a very good showing for us, so I felt really bad and responsible for that. Um, so then I tried to not let that happen again. Were there more moments then as like artistic director of Improv U or regional director? Oh yeah, tons more moments then. Once I once I got older and was more removed from it and wasn't just like blindly like pushing a. a, a cart <laughs> uh there were tons of uh, my i think the most rewarded i've ever felt uh was uh one year uh maybe my last second last year as regional director of new brunswick um i found out that you could put festival teams at nationals and i before the finals i had all the teams there and i got them all to uh, within the team's vote on who they thought the mvp of their team was um and didn't tell them what it was for i said it was for an award and so they all like they got and they talked and they're like, here's the person on our team who like we the thing is the most caring, the most. So we had like a bunch of really good criteria of like, who did you care about the most? Or who cares the most about this? Uh, and then um, right before we announced the winner at finals, I pulled up all those MVPs and we had a teacher volunteer to take them all to nationals and we paid for the whole thing. So I put together a festival team of all of the teams uh, in the tournament, picked an MVP from all of them and then sent them all 
to nationals so that they could learn. Because that was, I think, the thing that kept my school in the tournament was that I had gone. gone so I wanted them to have the same experience that I had. That's incredible. I felt like Oprah. It was nice. Yeah. I, I would say... And you get to go and you... I think I literally said that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look under your seats. That's my uh, Donald Duck impression. Um, I think that uh, maybe... To, uh, going to nationals, and that's if people are listening, if this comes out before nationals, it's it's a very... I remember going in grade 11 after having come third in my regional tournament, and we just went as a festival team. We Grimsby's always gone as a festival team to nationals. And and watching and going like... And it, and a lot of things clicking. Yeah, like the, a lot of things making sense. I had a great workshop with mm-hmm. you in grade 11. Really? I do not remember. Oh. There were three of us in it, I think, or three or four. I probably remember. What was it about? It was about being sincere. Interesting. <laughs> and, you said, and you said something that I still use in my workshops, which maybe oh. you remember, which is even snidely whiplash makes pancakes. That's true. Which is like, snidely whiplash. He's like a classic bad guy from Dudley Do Right that had the big mustache and the top hat and would tie women to train tracks. Because <laughs> there's an episode that you talked about that, yes. that we've seen that you see you can see where it goes like, let's see what Snidely's up to, and it cuts to him at home pre-tying women to train tracks making pancakes yes and we talked about like villains even villains have like things that they like yeah and that has like still stuck with me i still use it in workshops thank you um but it was like i think in my grade 11 year that i was like all of that kind of meshed together Mm -hmm. it wasn't until i went to nationals that i was like this makes is a larger thing yeah yeah for for innumerable reasons if anybody who's listening to this can go to either improv camp which is an improv camp on the west coast nationals which is a national tournament that happens in april in ottawa this year or uh, improv u which is in montreal at bishops university a week-long camp uh uh, go to it because it'll make a lot of this make a ton more sense and the people that you meet from it also you know made me want to to keep coming back and doing this for sure, for sure, that was a huge experience. So I was, I was ha- very proud to be able to give that to people. Yeah, yeah. For me, that uh, that experience that maybe Justin had at nationals that first time and going and, and Spencer, you had at nationals, whereas like it all came together. Uh, I was lucky that I had a lot of improv around me from a young age. So before I, I made it to nationals in grade twelve, but uh, grade eight I was already competing in the CIG, and then I had a chance to go to improv camp that year, which was still in Regina back then, mm-hmm. but has since moved to uh, Vancouver. Uh, so got to go to improv camp uh, every summer and be a part of uh, that community. And Vancouver also has a great uh, community of improvisation, uh, places like Instant Theater when I was coming up, and places like uh, Blind Tiger that have come up now as well, as well as the bigger things like VTSL. Uh, just being surrounded by all of that and seeing uh, recent CIG grads be really successful, people uh, like like Hip Bang uh, or or the Sunday Service with uh, Aaron Reed, who was a recent grad of my high school, uh, and so just to have those around me and be able to go to shows and be able to see all these things was was very immersive and really great. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting too, just in like, and maybe this is a good question for our for East Coasters because there, you grew up in Vancouver where there's like improv everywhere, like you can't shake a stick without hitting an improv show, but. How much improv did you absorb in Moncton growing up in Riverview? When I started, there was nothing. Uh, actually, nothing uh, at all, except except the high school improv games. And the high school improv games, uh, the improv CIGs only started in New Brunswick in, in 2000, I think. So, and 
my first circuit meeting was 2003. So uh, that had only even been around for a few years. And a woman named Karen Bauer, I think, went to some teacher's conference and heard about it and thought it'd be fun. So she, like, started it up in the province. Like, it was just, uh, yeah. Um, and I know, I, I think there was some stuff maybe in Fredericton, uh, but nothing that I knew of in Moncton. Um, so I started on the first, like... <laughs> quotes, heavy quotes, professional improv group in Moncton, uh, led by, well, I guess Glemon wrote, uh, we, we did a bunch of corporate shows. Like I started doing oh, right. whose line is it anyway, corporate shows and, and public shows, I think, uh, in grade 11, um, trying to, 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 to spread awareness about it. Not a lot of people knew what it was. So no, there was really nothing before, uh, before shortly before I started doing this. Yeah. What made you guys stay in it as long as you've been in it? It's 10 plus years. Is there something, what about maybe the action of improv itself and then anything else that kept you staying? Uh, well, certainly there is something and uh, a lot of improvisers will uh, start feeding you uh, improv philosophy and how that relates to life as well and uh, yes and and uh, positive tell you that's all and, crap and all of it is crap I think some people can uh, lean on it a bit hard but I think, <laughs> I think there's definitely something there and I think approaching your life with the same tenets of improvisation but and, what made you Dan stay in improv what, which of those pillars made me stay in improv Mm -hmm. sure. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, uh, maybe, I guess the, the acceptance, um, I am a tall and bearded and mildly confident man now. Uh, this was not the case for most of the years I went to improv camp and was in the CIG. Um, I was a chubby little triple-chinned uh, Russian Jewish boy. He's uh, very cute. I taught Dan an <laughs> improv camp. Don't you sell yourself short. You're, uh, you're a star. Uh, Justin Batso. Um, I loved him. In any case, uh, the acceptance that I found within the CIG uh, that I didn't necessarily find in other avenues uh, that I did like, uh, like sports. I, I still enjoyed sports and I still very much uh, like organized sports for some reason, but uh, the positivity and, um, and the uplifting nature of the CAG and the feeling that left you with was, you know, something that leaves you coming back. I have no idea. I have no idea. I feel like I have to do it. And as soon as I don't feel that way anymore, I'm sure I'll stop. But I don't know what that Gotta would be. Gotta keep pushing that cart, man. I think I think Napoleon said a similar thing. <laughs> I think he did. I think he's like, uh, uh, he said something like, the way I feel right now, nothing in the world can stop me. But the second I don't feel this, like a speck of dust will take me down. Uh, and that's kind of how I feel. That's a Tupac lyric. Is that a Tupac lyric? No, Tupac lifted Napoleon. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. That's, wow. Yeah. So obviously, you st it's still there. Yeah, I don't. Whatever I, it is. I don't know what I'm doing, but I know that I can't stop doing it. Right. Um, that's amazing. Talk about Improv U a little bit, because Improv U is to. something that you became the artistic director of yes. three years ago? Four. Four years ago? That sounds right. Yeah, yeah I think it's four. Um, improv U uh, is uh, uh, 
Uh, I always wanted to have an improv camp out east uh, because I couldn't afford to go out west. Um, and Alistair Cook helped uh, uh, find a venue he, uh, and, uh, and, and, and put it together and helped organize him and Katie Bowes. Uh, I think Katie Bowes was maybe technically the first artist director of improv here. Um, and Alistair uh, was there. Uh, it was uh, so great the first year that it was always very small when we first started it. Uh, it was only like 25 people maybe uh, for the first couple years. Uh, and then uh, I took it over uh, with Chris Ramelin. And uh, um, the year before we took it over, we decided, I decided I wanted to do a thing, a thing very similar to what you guys uh, are just doing where we drove across the country and uh, but we just taught workshops and tried to go to shows as much as we could. Uh, and uh, did that, while we were doing it was also to try to raise attendance from Improv U. So we ended up coming back and uh, more than doubled our numbers. So we went from like 27 to 65 uh, people and now we're around 80. We want to cap it there. So it's like a small intimate uh, uh, camp where you get to go and do workshops uh, three times a day and then an activity block another time a day. You get to do shows every night. Um, small ensembles, big fun. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the new uh, slogan? No, no, no. I came up with the slogan, the hashtag be anything. And I'm, I'm, that's the thing I'm most proud of. The scratch everything else. I like be anything. I like that a lot. That's really good. That was, that that's was, what keeps you coming back? That's what keeps me coming back is I hope to write because... another good hashtag. Um, yeah, it's so great. Uh, people should go to it. It's, uh, it's the best. Good, 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 uh, great trainers. who have an amazing staff. Always there every year. Uh, uh, yeah, it's hard to to not love it. We're actually gonna jump into our last three because mm-hmm. uh, we have someone meeting us here at 1.30. So, great. question number one is... Um, if you saw someone on the street and you wanted to go get them into a Canadian improv game show, what would you tell them? Please, please. There's something inside you have to see. Oh God, oh God, it's amazing. Please. Please come inside. There's so many kids. There's so... Oh, God, please come see. It's $15, please. It's only 15 Please come see. Dan? I mean, it was pretty much that, but, um... <laughs> I don't know, just, uh, I think, um... It, it's sometimes difficult to attract people outside of uh, outside of this the is your context pitch? because it's it's a preface. No, it's it's you know it's sort of like a, a sports tournament where it's it's tough to get you know people off the street to come to a high school hockey tournament. Uh, but if I were to uh, try and uh, sell it, I would you know just explain uh, probably ask them if they like theater, um, explain uh, the joy and the awesomeness that comes out of it, and then maybe drop a few names of people who mm. used to do the CIG, like you know Tatiana Maslany, Seth Rogen. Um, cool. <laughs> Question number two. Yes. It's a difficult one. Great. The CIG is turning forty. Yeah. Is it? Which means that forty—that's forty years of improv in Canada. CIG improv in Canada. Right. Uh, what does 40 years of the Canadian Prep Games mean for Canada, and where do you see the games going over the next 40 years? You can answer either or both of those parts. Uh, I think that uh, the change that it's made is impossible to measure. Um, the 
things that CIG does to silently impact the lives of thousands and thousands and thousands of kids that come through its doors and through its wonderful training program every year for the past 40 years has made unseen impacts that you're not, will never understand. Uh, most people that uh, I know who did the CIG don't go on to be uh, actors or, uh, or performers or in this industry at all, but they go on to be excellent people in like a lot of other facets of their lives. So I think it's probably uh, an explosion of, of amazingness that is impossible to, to measure the metrics of. Uh, but I I think in the past decade, you've seen improv come way more out into the open. Um, a lot of corporate training, a lot of uh, people wondering what improv workshops are, classes. I know in this city, uh, Toronto, are, are packed with people willing to try it and, and, and uh, give its tenants a, a shot. So I think in the next 40 years, uh, the CIG will play a crucial role in developing uh, um, uh, those people who will go on to enrich the lives of others, make them way better. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, improv is absolutely an emerging art form and has obviously been one for the past 40 years. And I think something the Canadian Improv Games has done and uh, will continue to do is keep Canada on the, the forefront of, of improv innovation. There's uh, a lot of great improv being done in Canada and a lot of that is being done by CIG grads and having people interested and immersed and ready as soon as they're coming out of high school uh, to explore these things has helped companies like Vancouver Theatre Sports League and Instant Theatre and Blind Tiger and uh, Rapid Fire and Bad Dog and, and lots of companies throughout uh, Canada be internationally acknowledged for their improbabilities. Um, picture now that you are in your last night of play as a high school student. It's the day before your last night of play, whether that's finals or prelims or whatever it is for you. And you're with your team and you haven't performed yet, what is something you wish you could tell your past self that would maybe like ease you or just help you through the night of play or maybe something you wish you would have known? Um, I, uh, I've always been uh, very nostalgic, even as a teenager. So uh, my last night of play was uh, national finals in 2011. Yes, Justin, I finally made it. Um, I know, I was there. Uh, and uh, honestly, we had there was stress, and we argued, and we, as a no uncoached team, had to decide who was sitting national finals and things like that. But I think we did do a really good job of of enjoying the moment and. Uh, the day of national finals, uh, we locked ourselves in a room and listened to early 2000s emo for about two hours, singing and just having the best time as a team. And yeah, that's what I would that's what I would recommend to myself more than anything is just enjoy that team because uh, I love those people that I got to grow with, uh, and they're still some of my closest friends. From someone who was in an early 2000s emo screamo band, thank you for the shout out. Uh, we definitely weren't listening to you, Justin. No, you weren't, because we were too cool. Uh, we probably hadn't released an album yet. Did you go on to release an album? We released several. Uh, what I would say to my formal self is um, nobody knows what they're doing. People like it when you gently break the rules. Don't worry so much. The judges are just dustier, older versions of you right now. <laughs> and they're equally as nervous. Uh, 
And uh, yeah, uh, to have more fun and take uh, more playful risks. And we always end it with a big end scene. And, and scene! scene.